Welcome to the Running in the Center of the Universe podcast. I'm Ashlyn Dave, and I'm recording live from my podcast studio in Ashland, Virginia. Thanks for coming along. And this is Ashlyn Dave, and this is the Running in the Center of the Universe podcast, episode 279. I'm going to call this one New Inspiration. It's the uh, week of October 15th, 2020. And I've got an interview for this show. I uh, interviewed my good friend Keith Cartwright. I had him on the show uh, a long time ago. I'd have to look that one up. I don't remember. Uh, but he has gotten into doing some ultra running. He's a big distance runner here in the center, center of the universe. And uh, he has a podcast called uh, 210.47.com. Uh, he's got some older episodes on that. I'll link to that in the, uh, in the show notes at ashlandave.podbean.com. Um, but what happened was I was uh, doing my morning runs back with my daughter when she was still here before she went off to school. And uh, we would see Keith just about every morning. We were out. And uh, as I saw him a few more times, we'd chat a little bit. And we realized that uh, last year we had talked about getting together for a beer. And time just marches on and you, you get, go on to other things. And anyway, after my daughter went off to college, I saw Keith uh, another time or so and and finally stopped and chatted with him and said, hey, man, we really need to get together and, and uh, have that beer. And uh, I learned that he was doing a virtual race across the state, state of Tennessee. Turns out he did it twice, and that's why I saw him every morning. He was out there doing his mileage and sometimes doing uh, two-a-days. So uh, here's the interview with Keith, and uh hope you enjoy it. He's a really fine man. I'll just do it right here. Keith Cartwright uh, of the 21047 podcast. He's also a, uh, a good friend of mine here in the center of the universe. Uh, we've uh, actually kind of uh, reconnected. We used to uh, be in a morning breakfast group together some maybe last year, a year before. A couple of years ago. Got away from yeah. that a little bit, but um, I see Keith a lot in the mornings and um, we uh, met up one morning, and I found out that he was running across the state of Tennessee in his head. So uh, I got a little intrigued. I saw him again, and uh, we decided to uh, do an interview for the podcast. So, Keith, I'd like to welcome you to the uh, Running in the Center of the Universe podcast. You've been on the show before. Always good to be here with you, Dave. Love talking life and running. That's right, man. There's always uh, The only thing that's more fun than running is talking about yes, it. That's right. <laughs> right. Right. So uh, you've been on the show before, and, and even though um, some of the listeners might remember you, I'll have to Dig up, uh, which I can't remember what episode that was on, but I think it's been a while. If you would just kind of describe your uh, distance running experience a little bit and uh, what got you to the uh, to this point where you're doing uh, marathons and beyond. Yeah, well, you know, my running journey started, I guess, about, I don't know, five, just five or six years ago. I'm 56, so it started after I was 50, and I think the last time I was on here, we talked about uh, Meg's Miles and how that right. really got my running journey um, going, and I guess it was in 2015 when I ran my, or maybe it's 2016 when I ran my first marathon at the um, Richmond Marathon, and I know we're going to talk about the... Um, Georgia Jewel here in a little bit, but prior to the Georgia Jewel, I'd run, you know, two or three marathons. I went and ran a marathon in Houston. I went to Little Rock and ran the uh, Little Rock Marathon, and um, and it was along that time, I guess it was back in 2018, I think is when I'd run the... The Houston Marathon in the winter, and then I ran the uh, Little Rock 
marathon in March. And it was shortly after that on my podcast, I had interviewed this woman named Jenny Baker. And I reached out and interviewed her because she was a mutual friend. We had different, we ran in the same circle of friends. But she had written a book, and the, um, I can't even remember now what the name, <laughs> what the name of Jenny's book was, but I, I wanted to interview her and talk about that book because she was a runner and she, she was an author, and I thought this would be a cool story. And it was in, in that interview when she mentioned this. I, I didn't, I didn't interview her to talk about the Georgia Jewel, but in that interview, it came out that her and her husband Franklin were the um, race directors of the Georgia Jewel. And so I got to looking into this Georgia Jewel, and I didn't at the time. I don't even know if I knew what an ultra marathon was. Like I didn't know anybody could run further than. Okay, so a that marathon. was going to be one of my questions. How did you? That's how you heard that's, about it. That's how I heard about okay, it. Cool. And I got intrigued, and I started joking with a friend about it. And it's like, you know, we ought to do something crazy. We ought to do this. And I thought we were joking. And then one day she sent me a receipt for the registration that she had signed up for the Georgia Jewel and basically was like, okay, you're next because we're not joking anymore. So it was in 2018. Um, I got signed up for, that was my first ultra marathon. Okay, so that's September, um, was it September of 2018 or was it? Yeah, okay, yep, same, September same time 2018. Um, and so, kind of to continue on with that, they actually had a practice run for the Georgia Jewel in August. You so you could, you could go down and do the practice run, and I had, like, I didn't run on trails. We're here in Ashland. Right. There's no, you know, we got the park. Right. I went over to Charlottesville once or twice and ran on the trails there. Just, uh, But I was not a trail runner. Um, so we went down. We did the practice run. We did the practice run um, down in Georgia. It's on the Penhody Trail. Okay. And it was hot. It was August. It was hotter than blue blazes. And we ran half of the course. So it was about 18 miles. And it was all could do. It was all I could do to finish that that practice run. In fact, I don't even think we actually made it back. And I left there. I left there so defeated. I was like, I will never, I will, I'll never be able to finish. The practice we were signed was up. Half. It was half. We were signed up for the 35 miler. Gotcha. And so this was 18 miles. It's the the second half of the what the regular race would be. And the regular race was going to be, you know, like a month later, in September. Wow. And and so. There we went, you know. We went, but like I said, in my head, I, I just I was already doubting myself. And race day was every bit as hot as it was in so August. So you drove back down. I went back down um, <laughs> for race race weekend. Uh, the heat index that day was triple digits. It was over a hundred. And so I um, that day in 2018, I made once again. I made it. Well, it was about mile 16, and we were two miles away from the first aid station, and I was I was dying. And I was running with my friend. I said, I I can't they make didn't it. Didn't have an aid station till. Well, they no, they we had already been through one. Oh, gotcha. And so I, you know, I'd got what I had with me that day was Morton Sport Drink, which I use a lot of. I like Morton, um, but that's all I had that day. And after that, I don't know what mile the previous aid station was, but between that one and the next one, a mile 18, I started getting dizzy, oh. just started getting blurry, and my friend said, you know, what do you need? I said, well, I 
only need is like water. I need like regular, I can't stomach this stuff. I need regular water. And this is mile 16. She ran ahead to mile 18, got me water, and brought it back. Wow. And I drank regular water, finally got up and could walk, and I made it to the aid station at 18, said, I'm done. And that, that crazy girl, she said, all right, you good? Because I'm going. So she went on and actually finished the race, which was it's still one of the most impressive things, because she had four extra miles. It was so stinking hot. And to have your whole thing interrupted and taking care of this guy you're running with, and then to go on and finish it. Um, one, is a great act of friendship. But Certainly. then it was an wow. incredible show of strength. So I didn't finish. You know, right. so do not finish. And so last year... How long was, did that drive home? Oh, <laughs> Uh, Time-wise, eight hours. Feel like, like four days. And you by yourself. I was oh by God. myself, yeah. So, you know, you beat yourself up the whole way. Um, you know, you, we, you, there's all the cliches. You're not a failure. You're not. But, yeah, I was. I did. I just I didn't finish it, and I was just. And the other piece to that was, so, you know, I do the podcast, and I do a lot of blogging. So I, for four months leading up to this thing, I was writing about it. I was posting about it. It was like, man, I'm going to conquer this. These friends of mine had made a wooden plaque of Georgia, and you'll, you'll be able to relate to this because you're a big fan of the Patrick Henry race here in town. So they didn't know when they would see me again, but we were running the Patrick Henry, which was before the Georgia Jewel. So before the Georgia Jewel, they brought me this plaque. It was a wooden cutout of the state of Georgia. And had this well, they little, came up here. They came up here. And did the they, they, they were, they're local. One of them's local. Oh, gotcha. So she had somebody help her make this plaque. So it was before the start of the Patrick Henry, they presented me this plaque, and it basically said, honoring your first ultramarathon, because I had not completed an ultramarathon right. at that time. So they gave me this plaque before I ever went. <laughs> so here I had this thing honoring my first ultramarathon, and then I went to Georgia, and I didn't finish it. And so... Did you give it back? No. Well, there's a, so there's a story to that. I'll, I'll, I'll include this as part of it. So 2018, I go, I couldn't do it. 2019, now between Georgia, um, Jewel 2018, and September of 2019, when the next Georgia Jewel right. was, January of 2019, I actually went to Kentucky and ran the land between the lakes, 60K, and finished it. So I actually did get my first ultra marathon. <laughs> and actually, in, in the November after Georgia Jewel, I went to a little town here in southwest Virginia, St. Paul, and they have this five-mile loop race. It's called the Oxbow. And I actually did six loops that day, so I got 30 miles in. So technically, I got an ultra in then, too. But my, my mindset was Georgia Jewel 2019. By God, I'm going to go. And I was crazy. When I signed up, I was like, "Oh, I'm I'm signing up for the 50 mile. I'm that's how that's I'm gonna show that's this race. That's how yeah, that's how distraught and disoriented I was. I know I'm gonna do the 50. Well, the summer before that race is well, it was only a few weeks before that race. I um. I went to Honduras and I did. I went with Souls for Souls, who I do a lot of running for to promote I've seen them, and collect your, your some website, of their stuff. Yeah. Um, so I went to went to Honduras and. 
and I'd never been never been to a place like that. And I came I came home, and I was having a hard time processing all that. I had seen a lot, and you know we you know we live in such a blessed country. And then you go there, and you just come yeah, home, and I, I was just wrestling with a lot. I guess I ended up getting sick. I don't know how much of it was mental, and how much of it. And then all the time I've got all this, I'm wrestling with all these demons for the Georgia Jewel, and I didn't show up. I just like one day it was the week of the race, like two days before. And I you woke, were registered. I was registered. I woke up in the middle of the night, and I, I it was like a, I'd never had a panic attack, but it was like a panic attack. It was like oh. I got so worked up about. It. I, I ran to my computer. I canceled my hotel reservations. The next morning, I called Jenny, the race director, and said, "I'm I'm out. I'm not coming." Wow. Um, so there's two years in a row. This whole Georgia Jewel thing had just absolutely destroyed, you know, my my running mentality. So here we go, 2020. Um, Did they let you defer? I guess. No, I didn't. I didn't even. Oh, I, they probably. I don't. Didn't worry about it. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't even ask. I just. I'm out. So here we come, 2020, and I'm I'm registered again. Registered for the 50 again. Wow. But early enough, and it wasn't even a defeated, well, actually it was, so this summer, and I'll just merge all of our conversations, sure. this summer, after the pandemic hit, and I really wasn't signed up for any races, but it was like, man, I need, what am I going to do? You know, I need to find something to keep, to get you keep, ready keep for me ready for Georgia. And at the time, I don't think that's what this virtual race I ended up signing up for was, but it has turned out. I know that's exactly what got me ready for Georgia because I heard about this virtual race, the great virtual race across Tennessee. <laughs> And the, it was basically 635 miles you start, and, and, and it was all online, and, and you go on, and you could enter how many miles you ran that day, and they had a nice setup. They'd track a little map across Tennessee, so you could follow yourself. And so I signed up for this thing. Well, there was also options that once you got across, if you got across in time, you could turn around and go back. You could do the race back across Tennessee. <laughs> And so they advertise it as a as a thousand kilometer race. That's what it is across Tennessee, from bottom point to top point, that up, kind of diagonal across the state is a thousand k. And so again, with my work for Souls for Souls, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to use this to raise some money for Souls for Souls. So I threw out there, hey, everybody, if if I can raise a thousand dollars before I complete this thousand k. I'll turn around and go back. <laughs> and it was like the first week I'd raise a thousand dollars. So now I'm committed to not running <laughs> 635 miles in four months, which is about 150 miles a month. I was committed to running 1,270 miles in four months, which suddenly is 300 miles. Now the most miles I had ever run in a month was 170, and that was one time. Now I'm committed to so running that's, 300 that's miles. That's over 20. That's between 20 and 30 a week. About. 170 is about 40 miles a week, but that was the most I'd ever done. Now I'm committing to doing like 75 miles a week, which is 10 that, miles a day. So is that why I saw you every morning? Every morning. Yeah, some mornings and, and, and you some went back evenings. Out? Yeah, I mean, oh, with work and everything, some days I had to do, you know, two, 
three runs. I mean, there whatever I had to do to get in. Because people would say, Keith, you need to take a break. I said, do you know what a break means? I mean, it's one thing to be averaging three miles a day and you take a break, and then tomorrow i got to do six. You take a break in this, i got to do 20 tomorrow instead of oh, 10. So it just, you couldn't afford. And over in four months, because I ended up doing it, I ended up completing across Tennessee and back. Right. Over the course of four months, I only took um, three days off. There were only three days and four months that I took no time off. How about injury? Off. Did you experience I, any injury in Well, that? the funny thing is, Dave, <laughs> the first two months I was running this across Tennessee and back, I was going to physical therapy in the morning <laughs> dealing with a back issue. And I, I never told the physical therapist that I was doing this. Um, so that sciatic nerve and it okay. so I did a lot of walking just to and I still, you know, I'm still dealing with some of it. What time but are you getting up in the morning? I'm an early riser, so I'm up most mornings by four anyway, and I'd, I'd be out the door by first first light. Which, you know, one of the silver linings of it is that I was never. I do a lot of reading and writing, and I like using my mornings for that. I love running in the morning, but um, typically I'd use it for that and then run in the evening or really load up my miles on the weekend. But this forced me every morning. I had to wow. go run, and I really fell in love with. So I keep, I've, I've continued doing that. It was in the middle of sort of those those runs that I just said, you know what, I'm I'm, I'm going to finish this thing. Yep. I mean, this is going to be the greatest. Like, I'm going to average three three hundred miles a month for four months, running almost probably ninety nine percent of it was all by myself. Almost all of it was here in the streets of Ashland, which they're nice streets, but man, it gets it gets more. old. Yeah. But I said I'm gonna do this thing, and and I I I said you know what I'm not I'm not going back to Georgia Jewel and failing after doing this. So I I went in and I I dropped down from 50 miles to 35. So aren't there a bunch of options? You got a hundred mile, 150. 50 mile, 35 mile, and an 18 mile. Now we're in the pandemic, right? And so all of a sudden now the Georgia Jewel and Redemption year is suddenly at risk. Jenny and Franklin Baker, who are just the best race directors I've ever met, and I've met some really good race directors, just great people. They suddenly, and the races in Georgia were like anything goes was happening in Georgia. Like they weren't wearing masks, and there were there was nothing happening protective in Georgia. So there was a lot of worry. The forest system made them re reapply for permits to do the race. Oh, wow. um, she had to fill out what she described as a 32-page application to do it, explaining in great detail what measures. Oh, it would have been so much easier for them to do what other race directors have done, just saying it's not it's not worth the risk right. of the time. But they they love their race. They love the people. The Georgia Jewel, and why I love going there, it's a community. You know, it's just a fan. It's a Georgia Jewel family. A lot of the same people come every year. You'll get to know people. Um, and so, so then, long story short, they got it approved. You know, they had to do some wave starts. They had to do, you know, had to wear your mask in the shoots and at the aid stations and things like that. Um, did you but it was that you didn't run with it on. Did but it would no. Oh Lord no. Um, but the race was on, so it's like okay, I'm going to go get a chance to once again try to now. One of the things that happened though, 
the race typically starts, they bus you out to a starting line and then you run back. Okay. Well, you couldn't cram all these people in buses right. because of the whole pandemic. Oh, that, that was it one was of that. It was an, yeah. it was, suddenly was an out and back. And to make sure logistically the out and back could accommodate aid stations at the right place, the 35-mile race suddenly became a 37.6-mile race, which to me is like, that's that sounded like, they were, that sounded like they were adding like 10 miles. I'm like, wait, 37.6 from 35, that's an extra 10 or 50. Like Franklin emailed me or sent me a message said, hey, you know, it's almost back to 50. You might as well do the 50 anyway now. I'm like, no, that's not. That's not the math I'm doing. I'm sticking to this. Now, the beautiful thing, Dave, is that, um, you know, the pandemic had all these challenges going on. But the weather that day, like historically, it's been hotter than blue blazes every single Georgia Jewel. Weather that day, temperatures in the morning were upper 50s, no humidity. It was the perfect, the perfect running day. So I, I, I showed up. My whole mentality was, if I have to walk this whole stinking thing, I'm getting it done, you know. And the reality is the Georgia Jewel course, unless you're just a crazy elite trail runner, you do have to walk a I lot of it the, uh, because it's nothing. The trails are nothing but rocks. It's hard to find. And there's something called the rock garden. There is the rock garden. And sometimes it's hard for me to know when I'm in it or not because there's so many rocks. Um, the number of friends I've had who've twisted ankles and, and you just never find a flat, runnable surface. That then combined with it's it's like a roller coaster. It's up, down, up, down. The 37, I think I ended up with about 6,200 feet of elevation gain. So there was a lot of a lot of climbing. So I made it. You know, I made it to the to the out. Got to that. But I think you and I, when I met you the other day, I was talking. It's like when I got to the out. I mean, I was already wrestling with the demon because the, the challenge of an out and back is you know what you got to do. You just did, and you, you, you know I got to do this again. And in my mind, I was like, I can't do that again. I mean, this was, you know, I'm sick. It took me about six hours into it, and I knew it was going to take me at least that oh, getting back. So you know, you're six hours, and you're thinking, number one, I'm going to walk most of it back. Right. It's going to take me seven and a half, eight hours to get back. It's going to be dark. I'm going to have to use my headlamp. Um, and I was really already just talking myself out of it. Well, this is, you know, this is the beauty of a running community. I, ran, I was running into the aid station, and coming out of the aid station was this, this girl who I'd met a couple of years ago at a trail race, and we'd become good friends. I had no idea that I would run into her there. Oh, cool. And she came out of the aid station, and she was just full of light. She was just... She jumped and it, well, at that moment, it didn't. In that moment, it was like, man, I felt a just a burst of life. And it was like, at least for a minute, I knew I could do the ace and turn around and go back. At least I didn't back. know I could get I know I could get back. Okay. But I, and, and there was only um, three, well, there was that aid station. There was another in the middle, and then there was going to be one more towards the end. I knew if I could get to that next aid station, which was eight miles. I knew at that point I'd be 26 miles in. I knew I could get. I knew I could get there. Wow. I knew no matter. Well, I knew. I knew I wouldn't quit. I, I didn't know I could get walk. there. I could still. Um, 
So I turned around, I started going back, and I just kept going, and I just kept going, and I just kept going. And I, I texted Jenny, the race director. So the end, this is, there's a cruelty at the end of this race. It's called Mount Baker. I'm wearing my, I'm wearing my Mount Baker. So Jenny and Franklin Baker are the race directors. At the end of this race, you know, Richmond Marathon, like when you finish, it's all downhill. This, at the end of this race, is a quarter mile trek straight uphill. Like you have not climbed, they climb steeper than this all day. Like there are literally people on all fours That's falling so cruel. up. It is cruel. Um, it's Mount Baker. And so even in my mind, the last four or five miles, you would think like, man, I'm finally getting there. But I couldn't even think that because I'm thinking I'm getting close to this thing and I don't even know if I can make it up. And you like, ran down that at the beginning? You ran down at the beginning. Oh. And I remember running down at the beginning, looking back up, thinking, how on earth am I going to make it up that thing at the end of at the end of this? And so I, you know, the process for me was literally like one or two steps, stop and brace myself so I didn't fall back down, oh gosh, catch a breath, take a couple more steps, oh catch a breath. But Dave, I'll tell you, that's incredible. When I when I got to the top of that thing, and then it was only a flat, you know, 100, 200 yards to the finish line. You had to go through this parking lot, and then turn a corner, and then then it all. And it was dark at this point, but. I was, ru- I was running through there, and I could see my friend Jenny, the race director, standing at, you know, she had her microphone at the other side of the finish line, and I ran, you know, you, you had to put your mask on going through the finish line. <laughs> I put that mask on, and I crossed that, and, you know, the emotion... When you fail in 18, you don't show up in 19. You know, this thing gets a hold on you, and um, I still, you know, I get emotional thinking about it. It's just one of those, it's just, um, it man, you know, it was the most... It was the most meaningful, you know, race in a lot of ways that I had ever. Because it was, and you know this, the, the physical piece of running is hard. Mm-hmm. But it's the mental, it's the mental conversations we have with ourselves that are the hardest to, to overcome. And so I had to, literally that morning, I, I was texting Jenny the morning of the race, saying, I don't know. I mean, I had my stuff. I was ready to pack up and go home. You know, I was like, I, you don't know. and she was, you know, she had shared some scripture with me. She had shared her heart with me. And she said, I believe in you. You know, I believe in you. And I had friends who'd reached out and were saying, you got this thing. You got this thing today. So I showed up, you know, and I really, I, you know, it's cliche, but probably more than ever, I embrace the whole mentality of just one step at a time. Just one step at a time. It's not really a cliche in ultra running. Sometimes you're reduced to that. I mean, think about it. You're reduced to that's all you got left. You're right there in the moment. Yeah. All you do is take yeah. one step. Yeah. Uh, it's no doubt. So no, and so that was it. So all oh, well, the so the plaque. Yeah, I, I finished up on that. The, yeah. So when I got home with that plaque after 2018, the plaque was well, I took the plaque with me because you know I was going to celebrate with it, hold it up, take pictures. I, I brought that thing home. <laughs> I turned that thing upside down on the shelf. I got a big rack in my little room where I write and do podcasts and things. And it's got all my medals. And then I got a little shelf. And I just took that, I just put it upside down. Because I, oh, I, I, I didn't want to see it. You know, I didn't want to, I, I thought about like, getting rid of it, but my friends had put so much into it. I thought, well, one day I'll earn it. And so that thing stayed on a shelf for two years. But I took it out the week of the race and I and I wrote a little Facebook post and said, this thing's going to be right side up at the end of this weekend. It will be forever right side up. And the cool thing they did, 
in the top left-hand corner of this plaque, they put a little jewel. Like, it looks like a diamond. And so they put this jewel, and it, it worked out perfect. The jewel, when you finish, the big finisher reward is a Georgia jewel hat. So I hung this plaque up on my wall. I took that hat. No, that hat's going to stay. I, I hung it on that jewel, on that plaque, and I'm like, that's a hat. I'm never, I'm never going to wear that thing. I'm just never... Um, and I, so, you know, I look at that plaque, and it's it's funny, you know, we it, it wouldn't mean as much if I hadn't right. had to struggle for two years. If I hadn't quit, and if I hadn't, and I'm not saying, hey, everybody quit your races, don't show up. But I had had such a two-year struggle with that race that when I finished it, um, you know, there's a lot of meaning in that plaque. There's a lot of meaning in that finish line. And uh, there's a lot of meaning in the story of that for yeah. me now because yeah. there's, you know, it's a great we're, we're stumble in life, we're going to fail in life, we're going to, we're going to have complications in life. Um, message for me was, number one, you got to have, you got to have people in your corner, like, yeah. talking you off the edge when you're wanting to drive home, and, you know, this is true. Uh, you got to have people saying, I, I, I believe this is your day, I believe you can do this thing. The other thing I will say is that, and this is the ultra community, because it was an out and back. And the hundred, the hundred milers started the night before. The fifty milers started. Oh, I saw that. Fifty yeah. milers started like an hour and a half before the thirty-five milers. So the elite folks who, the elite hundred milers, elite fifty milers, who um, were, they'd already gone out and they were on their way back. So on my way to the first aid station, a lot of these folks were headed back to their finish lines. I mean, there's some really gifted trail runners out there. Every single one of those elite runners who, I mean, many of them were like, they're trying to win the race, to win their age group, have their own PRs. Every one of them said, got, great job, man. You have got this. And I don't, I don't, I don't experience that all the time in road races. Cool. I don't experience that. And in general, you know, the running community is great, whether it's on the road or on the trails, but there is something really unique about the, the trail and ultra community. Um, and I think they, I think they probably all experienced something similar to my Georgia Jewel experience, and they know, you know, they can probably see it in my face. This dude is, you know, he's determined, he's in it, um, he's clearly not winning, and he's clearly not fast. Um, but man, he's going. He's, and so they all sort of recognize that and, and shouted appreciation for it, and that that meant a lot too. The struggle is the same. The, the distance and the struggle is the same. The, the, the time it takes is different. <laughs> oh, when I look back and see that the winner of that 36, like I, I, it, my ultimate time was 13 and a half hours. I think the winner ran it in like eight. Uh, like, there's some people that don't need to walk up the hills. No, no. Um, tell me about. Uh, you have a, I know you have a race coming up that you were talking about before we started the, uh, start it's the, ten, the show it's the, here. Uh, so the Tennessee Mile, and you yeah. and I were kind of talking yeah. before we started. Explain that. It's like more. I, um, you know, I needed something to finish. It's like to got the, the big race this summer, the virtual race, and then Georgia Jewel, and now it's kind of like what, what next, you know? And I'm I gotta have something. So I uh, earlier this year I had saw some videos on this mid-state mile. It's a one-mile loop in Franklin, 
Tennessee. And, oh, that's and near that, Nashville. Yeah, yeah, just south of Nashville. And that race was a last man standing event. Okay. And I, you know, your listeners can uh, Google uh, Greg Armstrong, Chad Wright, finished Mid-State Mile. They, it, there's just some incredible video out there. Greg just stumbling. He was hurt and he was oh. stumbling, just trying to hang in the race. And it was, it was pretty dramatic. I watched it. I was like, that out. Oh my goodness! So I got intrigued about this race. Well, then Becca, uh, Becca Jones is like, it's her land, her property, and she's this one-mile loop is is on her property, and she hosts these different races, and she actually ran the 50-mile at the Georgia Jewel. And I follow her. She's pretty inspirational on Facebook. So I'd seen she'd advertise on that same course. They're going to have the Tennessee Mile in December. And so you can sign oh, up for... Oh, not Mid-State Mile, Tennessee Mile. So, well, the, the, the June version was called the Mid-State Mile. It's on the same course. I got the, you. The, the December version is going to be the Tennessee Mile. I guess so they keep keep it. The Mid-State Mile right? was a last, last man standing event. This one's going to be 24-hour or 12-hour or 6-hour. So I signed up for the 24-hour. I've never done a 24-hour event. And it was, you know, mainly, again, it's this community. I know a few people, and when I see they're going to be at a race, I'm like, well, this is going to be a good event. <laughs> Becca seems to um, have a lot going for her and um, pretty pretty inspirational runner and race director. So, so what the heck, you know? I need That's December 5th, I think. Um, so it's... So your goal is to have get so a mile goal or just to keep I got both. 24 I got hours. both. So it's a 1.1 mile loop. There's 350 feet of elevation gain okay. at each loop. So it's uh, it's a that the the course is called the Murder Mile, which something crazy was intriguing about that as well. My goal. So the Georgia Jewel, I spent 13 and a half. I didn't sit down once. 13 and a half hours straight on my feet. So my goal is to. Um, at least exceed that. I want to. I want to run run longer duration than I did at Georgia Jewel. My ultimate goal is to run at least one lap every hour for the whole 24 hours. And so that would, you know, that would be. You probably get more. Than, well, I think I could get. You get more than that initially. Then when you get tired. Out. Right. Well, I'll have to because my other co-goal is to run my longest distance ever, which, again, was Georgia Jewel, 37.6 miles. So I want to get 40 miles. Okay, so so I want to do 24 hours. I want to run the run at least one. I want to be running all 24 hours. And in that 24 hours, I want to get 40 miles in. And so I will finish the year, right, where I ran my, I had my four, I had a streak of four months in the summer of 300 plus miles. So that wow. was huge. I had my, um, you know, longest, longest distance run with, with Georgia and um, so yeah I want to I just want to finish with it's been a good year I feel it's a good well I was before we started producing the show here I was telling you I, my year was dismal so I'm on the, the opposite spectrum of you so uh, <laughs> well you know it was, it's a silver lining sort of I tell people I, I could have never done this if it wasn't if we weren't in these pandemic times because I work two jobs but they're they're both at home. I'm yeah. working from, well, I work from my college office here. I have two bosses that are all about, hey, take care of yourself, take care of your family, get your work done, but 
And so I'm at all the I'm at all the flexibility I could have never had in the world. You know, plus I've not been working from home, so I don't the hour commute I had downtown Richmond and back. Oh, you haven't been going down there at all. No, I've not been down there once. So there's an extra hour in the day, so you can crank out some miles in an hour. Yep. Right? There's yep. And so, you know, it's not lost on me, and I feel bad at times that, you know, I know there are a lot of people out there suffering and, and really going through some challenges because of the pandemic. For me, it's created, you know, some opportunities this year. Now, the least of which is I've, you know, between from the start of the pandemic till now, I've lost 20 pounds. You know, people ask, how did you lose all that weight? I'm like, well, you run 300 miles a month. You can't hardly help but lose that. But, I've, you know, I feel strong, physically as strong as I had. Um, so, some supper here and uh, sitting with, we didn't tell everybody we're, we're drinking a beer while we're, we're sitting here we're sitting here at Trackside in uh, downtown Ashland um, well Keith it's been a pleasure talking to you hearing Always the story about day. Georgia Jewel I finally got to hear all the details yeah um, I'll catch up with your podcast that's the uh, 21047 podcast sounds like you might be having another episode coming yeah. out here relatively yeah I'm gonna try to get that and that's uh, hosted that at Podbean or do you have another Podbean. platform yeah okay Podbean. Um, I'll link that in the show notes and um Anyway, good to see you, Keith. Thanks you for your too, time. Buddy. Yep, man. And that was a real good interview with Keith. Um, one thing that didn't really come out as much in, in that when we were talking is that uh, one of the things that we share is we have a, uh, both of us have a lot of sp- spirituality in our lives. And um, it doesn't come out as much in my podcast just because it's a running-centered podcast. Uh, but uh, Keith's podcast is uh, has a little bit more. Uh, a little more grounded, I think, and um, it's something that I've really enjoyed. And I, I'm going to link to it in the show notes, 21047. Uh, that's what it's called. That's a Bible verse. And uh, Keith, I'm very appreciative of your time, and uh, it was a pleasure. We'll have to get together and do that again. So let me uh, get to the email bag section of the show, and then we'll uh, kind of wrap things up. I really do appreciate the people that checked in after the last show. Uh, getting things back. I uh, heard from Down Under Dave. It was always good to hear from him. He said it was good to hear that I'm back on the airwaves again. And uh, he's looking forward to hearing about my upcoming adventures. And um, The reason I called the, the show New Inspiration is is uh, just seeing Keith out there a lot just made me remember, uh, made me, I guess, think about that I kind of gave up on this year after my April race was canceled. And then, but Keith, Keith kept going this year, and it just made me feel like I just kind of went the other direction and just kind of gave up, and uh, some of it had a little bit to do with the job search I was in the middle of that, um, as most of y'all know, I've retired from my police career, and I'm still kind of trying to find my way in the next thing, um, so I just kind of gave up a little bit on this year, but Keith didn't, and so he's, he's given me a new inspiration, and I'm back to uh, getting out there training several days a week, so um, down under day is good to hear from you. also heard from uh, Foolish Phil. Uh, he appreciated having the podcast come out. He says he always enjoys it and, sh- and will share it with others. He sent me a link to a running movie on YouTube about the, looked like, um, Kenyan uh, long runners and how uh, there's this large group of runners that just they just kill it. And uh, I don't think I'll be able to link to that. It doesn't necessarily have a title in the um, URL. Uh, but it was short. I appreciate, uh, Phil, you sending that in. I think I got another email from you in there. I uh, heard from uh, Keith Mason. He just said, good to hear you back. Appreciate it, Keith. I think his name is, uh, I think that's Slug, if I'm not mistaken. I think his nickname is Slug, or his trail name is. I uh, also heard from uh, Tim. 
And uh, it's always good to hear from Tim. He's uh, from Chattanooga. And he said he was wondering why the airwaves were quiet. He said, uh, I certainly understand your feelings. You expressed with the national situation, the uh, divisive dialogue. Um, He said he has not really been that impacted down where he is. uh, In-person trail races in the Chattanooga area starting back up. He's also taking the opportunity to run all the roads of Single Mountain, Tennessee. He is 99.5% complete. The last one mile is on a main two-lane road coming up the mountain. He said he's not sure when he's going to run it due to all the traffic. And he wanted to know if I had finished Ashland. Um, I did. I ran all the roads in Ashland, which is... uh, uh, It took a little while because we did it as a group, and we didn't count it unless all four of my running group people were there. And I did do an episode about that, which was... um, Well, I don't remember what episode that was, but I linked it to you, Tim. I think you got my email. Uh, Good to hear from you, and uh, appreciate you listening to the show and supporting it. Um, Heard from Tim Smith, and he said, said, oh, he's just glad to see a new episode out. He said, chances are politically you and I are exact opposites, but that's what makes it even more important for us to find common ground, which we do with running. Um, he said, I'd be happy to do a run, have a beer with you someday. We can just leave the politics aside and talk running and family and other things. That's Tim from Ohio. And, uh, Tim, completely agree. Um, I, yeah, everybody's got a, you know, some kind of political slant. I, I kind of follow it more than others, but I've never held it against, uh, anyone, because uh, that's just not the American way. Uh, matter of fact, I have a friend that lives in Charlotte that is about as liberal as they come, and he smokes marijuana. And he's been doing that for the longest time. He's actually one of my best friends from college. And uh, he knew I went into a career in law enforcement. And uh, we visited over the years. And um, we just just good friends from college. Um, and we, uh, we're very, you know, both family-oriented. And uh, that's what we have in common. And that's what we, um, and I, we have uh, his oldest, uh, youngest, younger son and my daughter are around the same age. So they kind of, um, well, he's moved to Charlotte by way of Tampa. But. Uh, was in Richmond for a long time, so I um, kids got got to know each other a little bit. So yeah, but uh, maybe I'll cross paths with you sometime up in Ohio. Good to uh, good to hear from you, man. Appreciate the email. And uh, another one from Phil. Let's see, kind of similar to the other one. Sorry, buddy. Um, he says he's just gonna share the show. So Phil, I appreciate you sharing the um, the podcast with the other people in your group. I really am appreciative of that. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think Phil is a retired band director from one of the high schools in his area, if I recall correctly. Well, I've got a little bit of a longer show this uh, this time around. Hope you stuck around to listen to it. I'm uh, very appreciative of you coming back and listening to the podcast. And uh, we're in some strange times, but it does feel good to get out there and go for some runs. Uh, I have completely switched my running to before the workday, whereas it used to be always after the workday. And... Uh, some of y'all might remember, if, you, if you're a regular listener to the show, the reason I would run after work is to have my sanity for the evening because of the kind of work that I did. I worked mostly child uh, sexual exploitation cases in my career. And sometimes my work day could be a, uh, a serious uh, uh, emotional, um, well, traumatic emotional experience with some of the stuff that you, that you have to address and the behavior of adults when they uh, exploit children sexually. 
and uh, you uh, let your imagination go wild, and I worked those types of cases. It was a hell of a career, um, but that's all over now. So I'm not stressed at the end of the day. I work for a major uh, car insurance corporation doing um, invest uh, fraud investigations. So. Uh, as uh, somebody once told me, there's no emergencies in, in uh, insurance fraud. So <laughs> I kind of took that to heart. And um, so I don't, I don't have that kind of stress that I used to. And, and so I start my day with exercise as opposed to ending it. And it's been a, a big change for me, and I, and I do like it. Uh, you might have been able to tell I've had some technical problems with the show. It's because I'm using a, an old MacBook Pro as a hand-me-down for my wife. Uh, she has the new computer, and I'm going to have to do something to address this. Uh, this this computer is too old for what I'm trying to do, and it's just too slow. Uh, so I'll, uh, I'll fix that problem. Thanks for listening to the show. This is Ashland Dave reminding you to run to the finish. Keep on running. Don't forget to hug your kids, and y'all have a good week. I'll be back.